InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. The tags given to generations are familiar. Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and the rest. But what makes each generation so unique and different? With more, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Gene Twenge, professor of psychology and the author of Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and What They Mean for America's Future. Professor, before we begin, for anyone who's not up to speed, let's just quickly define the demographics for each of those generational nicknames. Sure. The six living American generations start with Silence, born 1925 to 1945. Then Boomers are 1946 to 1964, Gen X 1965 to 1979, Millennials are 1980 to 1994, and Gen Z 1995 to 2012, and then we have the generation after them, which hasn't really been named yet, I call them Polars, and that's those born 2013 to 2029, with that end date still a little in question. One quite interesting thing that you write about is how, to the dismay of probably every generation of parents, when you were born has a larger effect on your personality and attitudes than the family who raised you. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is based on a big surprise from my field of psychology, which is that, especially in terms of personality traits, that parents, you know, and I have three kids myself, that we don't have as much influence on our kids' personality as we might think. They are who they are, and then there's the influence of the culture around them and their peers. We can influence them to be a little nicer, though. That is one thing that does show up. It's a personality trait called agreeableness. But things like neuroticism and extroversion, there's very little environmental difference from what they've been able to find. So given that there are pretty big shifts over time in neuroticism or anxiety, and there's also some shifts in extroversion, that's where we get that conclusion that the time when you were born and that you grow up on average has a bigger effect than the family you were raised in. Let's talk about technology. You spend a lot of time writing about that, and you make a very strong case in the book about the huge but surprising effect that technology has had from one generation to the next. Yeah, so, you know, the traditional theories of generations focus on big events. You know, how old were you when certain events happened? That could certainly have an impact on generations, but it doesn't have, usually, that much impact on day-to-day life, especially long-term. And what does have a huge impact on day-to-day life are the changes in technology. So there, I'm not just thinking about things like the internet or smartphones or social media, but also things like air conditioning and labor-saving devices like washing machines and how that's what really makes living now completely different from what it was like to live 100 years ago or 50 years ago or even 20 years ago. Our guest on InfoTrack is Gene Twenge, professor of psychology and the author of Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and What They Mean for America's Future. Let's talk about some of the individual generations now. First off, the silent generation, and that's a term that I don't think many people have really heard of, certainly not as much as the Boomers or Gen X or so forth. But that generation seems to be very much in control still. If you look at national politics, many national leaders in their 80s. Tell us about their influence on today's world. Yeah, a lot of people haven't heard of the silent generation because they're sandwiched between the greatest generation who fought World War II and the boomers who get lots of national attention. 
So silents are interesting. The name started because they were fairly conventional. They got married young and had their children young. So these are the young people of the post-war era. However, they were the leaders of the civil rights movement and the feminist movement. So calling them silent is a pretty big misnomer. I mean, their two most famous members, Martin Luther King and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The baby boom generation has pretty much had the world revolve around it for most of their lives. How do you see the next decade or two in terms of their influence? Well, it's going to be interesting because it's true. At every stage of their life cycle, the baby boomers have been at the center simply because of their sheer numbers. So these days, a fair number of political leaders are still boomers. So they have held on to political power much later than previous generations, partially because people live longer now, also because the Gen Xers right behind them are a smaller generation. But even when you adjust for population size, boomers were, say, senators and state governors at a much higher rate than Gen Xers at the same age, because it looks like boomers are kind of blocking the way. But with that said, I think it's very important to note that the general perception of boomers as all rich and powerful isn't true. There's a large segment of boomers, particularly those who did not go to college, who are struggling financially, and they're dying at higher rates. There's a lot of deaths of despair, as economists have talked about, and there's a huge number of drug and alcohol problems because that started when boomers were young. Drug issues in particular were really not very prominent until the boomers were young adults and teens, say the late 1960s. Gen Xers are now facing middle age. They were born between 1965 and 1979. Tell us about some of the generational changes you found with Gen X. A couple things really stand out for Gen X. One is they were the last generation to have an analog childhood and the first to have a digital adulthood. So that shaped them in a few ways. One is their love for a unified pop culture in a way that younger generations didn't really have after there were more than three channels on TV and we got the internet with YouTube and TikTok and so on when, you know, there were some popular things, but your friends are probably watching different things. For Gen Xers, just talk about Schoolhouse Rock or Land of the Lost or Sigmund the Sea Monster and our eyes will light up. I'm a Gen Xer myself, so it's my favorite part of the book was writing about Saturday morning cartoons. There's some other interesting trends. Gen X is more conservative and Republican than other generations at the same age, and they are less likely to trust others and to trust in institutions. And that's now true of all generations, but that trend downward in trust started when Gen Xers were young. Millennials, those born between 1980 and 1994, they're in the midst now of parenting and careers. What did you find are their biggest influences? Millennials really reached the peak of some aspects of individualism. So one is self-confidence and high expectations and some optimism, although a lot of that optimism has faded as millennials have gotten older. But, you know, there's some really good news. You know, a lot of millennials graduated around the time of the Great Recession. There were some really significant concerns that millennials were going to fall behind. They were going to be the first generation to not do as well as their parents. Their wealth building had been completely kneecapped by the Great Recession. But those are outdated perceptions because in recent years, millennial wealth building has cut up to Gen Xers and boomers. That's in data from the Federal Reserve of St. Louis. 
And then in census data, median incomes for young adults, for millennials, are now higher than they were for Gen X and boomers at the same age, even when corrected for inflation, which includes things like housing costs, costs of health care and child care. Finally, let's talk about Gen Z, those born between 1995 and 2012. What did you find is the biggest factor for their attitudes so far? Well, Gen Z is the first generation to spend their entire adolescence in the age of the smartphone and ubiquitous social media. So that's had a really big impact on them. So many people know that there is a mental health crisis among teens and young adults. But what's not recognized enough is that that started more than 10 years ago. It is not a product of the pandemic. Teen depression started to rise around 2012, and it doubled. Between 2011 and 2019, clinical-level depression doubled among 12 to 17-year-olds. So that's before the pandemic. And it started right around the time that smartphones and social media became popular, also because those had downstream effects. Right at that time, that's also when teens started spending less time with their friends face-to-face and started spending less time sleeping. So more time online, less time with friends in person, less time sleeping. That is a perfect storm for depression. Finally, let's talk about the future a bit. The rise of artificial intelligence has certainly got a lot of attention recently. Will that be a defining influence for today's youngest Americans as they mature? I think we'll have to see. Sometimes I think back on some of the predictions from 10 years ago that we would all be in driverless cars by now, and that hasn't happened yet. There was the idea that we wouldn't have colleges and universities in a traditional way anymore, that we would have all these massive online courses taught by just a few people. That didn't happen either. So I think we have to wait and see. In writing this book, was there one surprising thing that perhaps jumped out in your research more than anything else? There's been a lot of attention paid to our issues around free speech and cancel culture and so on. And I was surprised to see that there's been a flip in the political orientation around free speech, that it used to be liberals, those on the left, who were more supportive of free speech, even around issues that were important to them, like racism. They used to be more likely to support someone being able to communicate messages, even those they disagreed with. And now it is flipped. Now it's more those on the right who tend to be more supportive of free speech and those on the left who seem to be more critical. I think you can make a case that there was a noticeable shift in American culture around free speech, around issues around race, about 2015. Journalist Matt Iglesias calls it the Great Awakening, kind of a controversial title. But his pinpointing of 2015 is supported by a bunch of survey data where that was a big turning point in a lot of attitudes around race in big national surveys. Fascinating research. Gene Twenge, professor of psychology and the author of Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and What They Mean for America's Future. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.